Welcome to The Rundown. I am BJ Evans, your host, and normally we have Elizabeth here with us. She is out today, but that is A-OK because I am joined today by Leah Camille Crockett, producer at Brick. Hi, Leah. Hello, BJ. And as always, joined by our producer, Mark Pagan. Mark, are you with us today? I'm with you today. Hooray! Hooray. Thanks for being here today. So we wish Elizabeth the best. She'll be here for our next episode. Um, we are going to carry on and, and chat about what just happened at Brick the past few weeks with Brick House Sessions. That music we were just listening to, Leah, that was Ife, am I correct? Correct. And if I'm not mistaken, Ife was here last night. They sure were. It was pretty fantastic. Tell me why. Why was it fantastic? Oh, my goodness. Well, as you might be able to tell by my voice, it was a long night of celebrating and singing and talking. And um, we had a sold out show here at Brick, uh, bringing Ife. That was actually their official New York debut. They've played in New York before for private performances. Um, But that was their first time doing a public show for New York. And let me tell you, Brooklyn showed up for them. That's terrific. (laughs) How would you describe if you had to put them into a box of the genre of music? How would you describe their music? I mean, I feel like everybody says this, but to be honest, it's very difficult to do that. Because what they, um, you know, their sort of root, their base of their sound um, is like Cuban rumba, which is like Cuban percussion taking a bunch of different percussion instruments and playing them together, riffing off of each other. Um, but what's very interesting about this project is that they've taken this very traditional uh, roots kind of music uh, and added electronic sensibilities to it. So they actually take these, I forget what you call it, but like these electronic boxes and put them into their drums so that you can sample from within the drum. Then they use drum machines and other um like synthesized sounds. It's just a fantastic. So they take this very tribal music and add this modern electronic vibe to it. And it really brings out sort of the hypnotic nature of both Cuban rumba and electronic music that both kind of share that hypnotic and trancing thing. Um, And it just really speaks to people. It's incredibly devotional music. Um, The leader of the band Ife is actually an Ifa priest, which is a Yoruba religion. So a lot of the songs are very devotional. Um, the material and the lyrics are all inspired by uh, by the religion or their actual spirituals from uh, from the Ifa religion. So it speaks to a lot of people. And it was very cool last night to see not only tons of young people who are just captivated by the sound and how interesting it is, but there were a lot of elders who also observe Ifa here in New York who were there appreciating it on a more spiritual level. So it was really special. That's so exciting. I do find it really exciting and special when an artist or a band can attract all age levels like that at the same time. Yes. It's really exciting. Intergenerational uh, appeal is very exciting for us here at Brick. Yes. So congratulations. Thank you. When you were considering, because I know that you programmed them and you are one of the programmers of Brick House Sessions. And when you were considering who to program, did that come up at all? Like, who is an intergenerational artist or who hasn't been in New York before? Did you think of those things or anything like it? 
You know, it's interesting. I don't know if I necessarily thought about the multi-generational thing. I think in general, what we try to do here is achieve that. Like, I think it's an ongoing sort of um, goal that we have to attract lots of different kinds of audiences um, overall in the season. And if we can do that also in one show, then that's great. Um, but to be honest, you know, I didn't when I was looking into Ife, I'm a huge fan of theirs. And I knew that other friends of mine who are Puerto Rican, especially are fr are really excited by them. So when I booked them, I was really intrigued to get a young audience, um, especially a young Puerto Rican diasporic audience here in Brooklyn. So to be honest, the the older crowd was a little bit of a surprise in a good way. You know, it was a really fun surprise to have that element here. It didn't feel like a show for the young kids, was, you know, for everybody. <laughs> Who are we, the knitting factory? Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, and it was really funny, too, one uh, comment that was made by an audience member I was chatting with, uh, who's also Puerto Rican, we were sort of uh, relating over the fact that it felt like a family party, like on Christmas Eve or like when you go back to Puerto Rico, you know, it's funny, in my family at least, like when somebody turns on reggaeton, all the older folks, they're like, okay, we're done. Um, That's but, hilarious. <laughs> but whenever there's um, bomba or plena or more kind of traditional Afro-Caribbean music on, everybody dances. It's just pervasive. So the old folks can still kind of get down and they love it. It's part of who they are. It's natural. And then the young cousins, even though we might be listening regularly to all kinds of other different music, that's just in us. And it's um, it's natural to have it there. So that's what it felt like last night. It just felt like even if you're like the indie rock kid who didn't really like get down on this music, this traditional music, it's so intrinsically a part of you that like you know how to party to that. Uh, so it was really special. That sounds fun. And so if I'm not mistaken, Maku Sound System opened for them. Yes, and we'll listen so to a little bit of that later. So talk to me a little bit about what your what you're doing when you're putting together a program and you have an opener and a headliner, how are you fitting those together? How are you thinking about how they work together? Do they know each other beforehand? Are you trying to match their sound or where they're from? Talk to me about programming the, the opener versus the headliner. Well, what I like is I think there are a lot of different approaches you can take uh, for each show. And I definitely try to challenge myself by not, you know, falling too much into a formula. Mm -hmm. So, uh, for example, last night with the Ife concert, um, I could have gone in a lot of different directions, I think. Uh, different, you know, ideas were to maybe get a local, um, like, bomba group or a, just percussion group that would really do kind of a stripped-down, more traditional version um, of the music that Ife does. What that could have offered uh, the audience was sort of like an introduction to that music uh, in a more educational way in the beginning, and then this cool, you know, interpretation of Ife in the ballroom. That's one approach. Um, however, I love Maku Sound System, and they are um, a Brooklyn-based band. And what I love about them is that they um, they have a very similar communal vibe the way Ife does, meaning like the way the audience is. There's not like a set front runner, so to speak. Everyone in the everyone in the group has a very specific role uh, and a very equal role in the music. And so, um, and I also know that the bands do happen to know each other. So I thought, well, I'd like to take that approach. Um, these people work well together. They would love to be on a bill together. They have actually played together before. Um, and while Ife is a little more entrancing, uh, Maku is like a party starter mm -hmm. of a band. So I thought that would be a nice balance. And I have to say they like 
brought the house down. My coup did. They really did. Yeah, <laughs> they had our whole gallery full of people dancing. And so I think that was a great start off to the night. So we just decided to take that approach. Congratulations. Thank you. And earlier this week, I believe it was on Tuesday. So today is Friday the 30th for everyone listening, wanting to, to understand when, we're, when we are in time. Mm-hmm. On Tuesday, there was a Stoop series, which is Brick's public programming that's totally free. We do events on the Stoop in our gallery and for all all range of topics and conversations and art making. And there was a Stoop series with Aturamun or with Ife. Mm-hmm. Talk to me a little bit about that and what that was about and how that went. Sure. So what was interesting is that when uh, I booked the show for Thursday, their manager came to me and said, oh, you know, we love this. Of course, we want to do the concert. But also... Um, we just made a documentary about Oturamun, who is the band leader of Ife. Would Brick be interested in screening it beforehand? You know, we want to do something around the film. And one of the things that's great about Brick <laughs> is that we have all of these public programs and these sort of different ways um, to show different types of art. And so instead of making Brick House sessions like this, you know, oh, we got to do a film and this and that and the other. I thought, oh, perfect. We have the Stoop series. Let's do that. Let's make this a Stoop series event. Which has happened to fall on the Tuesday before Yeah, the it Thursday. just worked out date-wise. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of nice to have Ife Week this uh, here at Brick. So what we did was we shot, um, we did a screening of this 30-minute documentary done by this filmmaker, Omid Fatemi, uh, who's an incredible filmmaker from L.A. And it's a 30-minute documentary. Um, it's really beautiful. It's all shot in Santurce, Puerto Rico, which is where Oturamun is based um, and where his at-home recording studio is. Um, and it really just follows him around Puerto Rico and talking about his, you know, his beginnings, his origins. Um, he has a very interesting story. He's actually an African-American, like American adopted in Indiana and ended up in Puerto Rico because of a flight mix up. Wait, what? <laughs> I know. <laughs> you how, do you mix up, documentary. how do you mix up a flight? Was he trying to get to Indiana and ended up in Puerto Rico? Something to that effect, basically. That is a massive mix-up. It is, and it worked out for the oh, best. Delta. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> uh, so it was really interesting to learn more about it, and what I loved was it was a really great sort of prep for Thursday. Mm-hmm. So people who went really got to kind of dive deep into his story and how he came to, you know, he's a trained percussionist before he came to Puerto Rico, but he really fell in love with that music. He found uh, his new spiritual path by being in Puerto Rico, and that informed a lot of his music, certainly. So it was great to sort of learn all of that background and get everybody really excited for Thursday. Um, and what was great was that after we screened the film, we had Jasmine Garst of BBC and formerly NPR host a talk with Otura Moon and Omid, the filmmaker. So it was really great. About the film, about Puerto Rico, about what was the talk it was about on. yeah. I think it was. Uh, it gave us a chance to dive a little more into his background and into the making of the film. Um, and, you know, talking about Puerto Rico in the present day, it's the film visually is very much an ode to Puerto Rico, I think. And uh, it spends a lot of time just showing sort of the natural beauty. Uh, and it's like it's not a tourism video, you know, yeah. it's the very much just the real streets and how naturally beautiful they are. Um, and so it was really special to just talk about it and um, talk about his relationship to the island, you know. 
Yeah, it's so nice. Congratulations. Thank you. I know that a lot of work went into this whole week of the Stoop series and the opener and the headliner, and congratulations. So Brickhouse Sessions is almost over. We have the nights coming up on April 12th, yes. which um, for everyone listening, you we've talked about it before, that the Knights, Black Sea Hotel and the Knights will be here on April 12th at 8 o'clock and that though it's technically Brickhouse Sessions, it does fall under my portfolio of producing. So Leah and I are sharing a little bit of the Brickhouse Sessions burden. But considering there's only one left, most of it is over. Tell me, Leah, is there anything about Brickhouse Sessions this season that has surprised you? Oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, we had um, this one show that we co-curated with Joan Osborne, which was great. We actually co-curated two shows with her. Uh, under her new sort of presenting platform called Womanly Hips Presents. Uh, Joan really wants to make more of an effort to sort of use her platform as, you know, this longstanding iconic artist uh, to give space for other strong female voices in the music industry. And so we worked with her on some shows and she brought to my attention this woman named Victory. And she um, actually is a busker. She got her start as a like busking singer in Central Park. And she has kind of a family band. She has like a bunch of siblings and they all sing and play music Stop together. It. They're amazing. <laughs> um, this feels like a, a story that can't possibly be real. Of a family band, a busker. <laughs> it's kind of magical. <laughs> who's gotten discovered from busking. <laughs> it's literally that. And so I was so impressed by her. I mean, she, this woman has chops. Like Victory. amazing. Victory does. Yeah. And so it was so great to discover her because, I mean, I did the show with her dad, like her dad is her manager. It's very much a family affair and it's so great. But she recently was signed to Rock Nation, Jay-Z's management company. Whoa. So this girl is coming up in the world and I, um, you know, as the show started, you know, went on sale and the interest that was gauged, she was actually opening for Birds of Chicago who are just amazing. They're such a beautiful group. I love them. But what I was surprised by was how much interest there was in Victory. Oh, how exciting. very emerging, you know, young woman who doesn't even have a huge online presence yet. You know, she's still very new. And the people who know about her are curious and really fascinated by her. So I thought it was very special to have her uh, here at Brick. Yeah, congratulations. Thanks. And being signed to Rock Nation, that seems like a relatively big deal, I if I'm not like mistaken. I feel like I got, that was our last chance to see her. She's right. going to blow up and be in huge, uh, you know, huge clubs after this. Maybe she'll come back and do a show for us when she's all big and famous. And, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> so congratulations again on Brick House Sessions. I know that we're all looking forward to next season already. But before next season... We have a whole summer thing that happens. There is this festival. It's this festival. Yeah. Mark, have you ever been to this festival? This Brick Celebrate Brooklyn Festival? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> it takes over our whole lives. It takes over our whole lives. So not to give away the whole farm, but can we talk about opening night? Absolutely. Tell me about opening night. I am so excited for this. I mean, this is our 40th year doing this festival we're celebrating 40 years being in prospect park so it's pretty special i think uh usually we always have pretty rad opening night talent um and this year you know for our 40th anniversary we really want to make a statement and have a really overarching theme about our programming and we're sort of coming off of this idea as artists as activists and really artists as participants in our democracy um, and, you know, we have this amazing stage that attracts thousands of people each night at, to the band shell. So we want to invite artists who are going to use that platform to help 
uh, further our democracy and fight for the values that we hold dear here at BRIC. So can't think of a better person to kick off the night than Common. What? It's going to be crazy. Common? Common will open up the festival on June 5th. It's going to be epic. Wow. All right. June 5th, Common. How does one get tickets to June 5th opening night with Common? Is that even possible? Um, So the fun thing about that is it is free. No. Opening night is free and open to the public, and we want to see everybody there. Oh, that's wonderful. It's great. Um, Yeah, this is what we're all about. We want to be free and accessible to people, and I hope that all of Brooklyn will show up and give Common a warm welcome. I have a feeling much of Brooklyn will show up and give Common a warm welcome. I think so. Congratulations. That's really exciting. Well, I hope we'll get to have you back on talking about the festival even more uh, since you are a key part of that festival for everyone listening Leah is the producer of that festival Uh, I know she has a number of people that she works with they're a big team but Leah is a key part of that team and makes that festival happen so we'll have you back on if we can steal you for another 30 minutes at some point I can't wait I can't wait to share the rest of the lineup with everyone we'll be announcing in May okay and that's when everyone can start making their summer plans okay super is there a date in May or is it just a nebula it's a nebulous May, May right. so I don't jinx myself. Yeah, no, fair enough, fair <laughs> enough. All right, well, we'll have you back on once the, uh, the announcement happens and we can talk more about what's coming up. Uh, thanks again for being here today. Thanks for having me, BJ and Mark. Always a pleasure. <laughs> it's always good to have you in the studio. So we always end our episodes with a question from Elizabeth, um, which, as you know, Elizabeth is out today. So I'm going to kick it over to Mark. I know I'm putting you on the spot here. <laughs> Do you have a question for us? Something poisonal. So you two are from Texas. Yes. How'd you know? Uh, <laughs> what are some, and if you can do this in the version of a song, or if there's a song that does this, what are some like zip codes or area codes that if you heard them at a club, you'd be like, oh, represent. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I know, like, like I'm That's from the hilarious. D.C. area, so it'd be like 202, 301, uh, oh, 20878, That's Mar- Montgomery County zip code. Oh, but my like, goodness. It's uh, just a random thing, but like, what are, what are some, and what areas are you from? So, so I'm representing the 512. Airs. The 512, which and is what? Heard, which is Austin. Austin. And if I heard that in a song, I would go nuts. I'd be like, oh. Is there, have you heard you. a song that? I don't think so. Maybe like some local rappers yeah. used it probably. <laughs> um, I do get like that. Like when I see someone calling, if I get an unknown number and I'm like, 512, amazing. And I have to talk to them about it and ask, you know, how do you have a 512 number? And they'll usually be like, oh, I lived in Austin for two years and I haven't changed my number. But I really want to like. Draw attention to their five one two zip code. Is so there only one. one area code in Austin? Is it still just five one two? We recently, I mean, I think a few years ago, we got a second zip code. It was kind of a big deal. So I think that's why even more so. Like I feel like here in New York, you see a two one two number, and you're like, yeah, that's so old school. Okay. Like, that's real New York. Yeah, it's true. And I think now it's kind of getting. We're trying to make that happen with five one two. We're getting there. You know? Nice. <laughs> I love this question mark. So, um, oh, that sounded like I said question mark, as a, as in punctuation. It's happened. I just, <laughs> it just occurred to me in that moment. Uh, I love this question. So I'm representing the Dallas-Fort Worth area, uh-huh. and the area code in question is 817, but I've literally never heard anybody wax philosophical or put it into a song of the 817 and, you know, at this point, the Dallas-Fort Worth area is so massive and there's so many area codes that even 
Yeah, I feel like even 817 is relatively obsolete in terms of encompassing Fort Worth because there's so many new area codes now. So unfortunately, uh, you know, maybe it's time to write a song about Leah and BJ, which we call ourselves Lee J, <laughs> in case anyone cares. Oh, fun fact, I had someone um, tattoo 512 on my ankle once. <laughs> I so there you go. That. So I tried to do that. I had to get a little cover up because it was not a good idea. But, but it did happen. I will say that I spent some time. I lived in Norfolk, Virginia for a couple of years. And the zip code, not zip code, the area code in Norfolk, Virginia, that area is 757. And they are very, very connected to that area code. And that they'll call themselves the 757 or they'll refer to what's going on in the 757. Like it is a standard way of speaking to refer to the 757. So in answer to your question, didn't happen so much in Fort Worth, but anyone out there listening who's from the Norfolk, Virginia area, they will immediately know what I'm talking about and how precious and special 757 is to that area of the world. I will hashtag, hashtag. this week's yes. episode yes. with 757. 757. Um, so all my friends back in the 757, hello, shout out, miss y'all. <laughs> Uh, so uh, that is all the time we have today. I think we are going to outro us with some Maku Sound System. I love it. Yeah. Thank you again, Leah, for being here. And Mark, once again, thank you. This has been The Rundown. I'm BJ Evans. We are produced by Mark Pagan. We had Leah Camille Crockett in the studio, recorded at the podcast studio at Brick, music by Ife and Maku Sound System. Join us in a couple of weeks. Thanks. Oh